Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll move on this listener right now in your gentle, loving, powerful, and merciful way as they listen to this message from All Nations Church in Tallahassee. Amen. You can turn to 1 Kings chapter 19. We'll get there in just a few moments. It's interesting that so many times we are focused on all that's happening around us, all the chaos and the confusion that's now a part of our daily life, things and problems created by politicians and governments, things and problems created by sickness or disease or by schisms in our relationships. And as a result, we focus on those things rather than trying to hear the voice of God. I've come this morning to tell you, in the midst of your storm, God still speaks. I've come to tell you that it doesn't matter if it's a wind or a fire, or an earthquake, God still speaks. It doesn't matter if inflation is rampant and gas is through the roof, God still speaks. And he's looking for a people who will quiet their heart and their spirit, shut themselves in with him, and hear his voice. Word of God speak. So kind of challenge you today to focus on what Holy Spirit is saying to you in this room over the next few minutes. And allow him to make a deposit in your life that will alter you. Change your course of direction for the remainder of your life and through eternity. Word of God, speak. When you read 1 Kings beginning in chapter 17, you see the introduction of Elijah, the prophet of God. 1 Kings chapter 16 ends with the fact that Ahab was the king of Israel. And it says he was the worst of the whole lot. He was more evil than any other king who had reigned over Israel. In the midst of this perversion, in the middle of his idol worship, in a place where he's building idols and temples to false gods, in a time when he's listening to the voice of his heathen wife Jezebel and following her down roads that will lead to certain destruction, not only for himself but for his nation, God chose to raise Elijah. God chose to bring him to the forefront. Listen, I'm here to tell you, when you're in the middle of the storm, when it seems like life is caving in, when everything has problems on every hand, there is still a God who speaks to his people. He desires more than anything to speak to you and I. When you begin Elijah's story in verse, in 1 Kings chapter 17, it says that Elijah prophesied there would be no rain in the land for three years. Three years, a drought would come over Israel. Three years, not a drop of rain would fall. Why? Because it was an attempt by God to get the attention of his people to turn their eyes back to him. Folks, may I tell you, we've experienced that around the world the last two years. God is trying to get our attention. He's trying to turn our eyes back to him. He desires that you and I would once again long to know him and communicate with him. Just as in Elijah today, God is doing the same thing today. So it says in 1 Kings chapter 17 that God then said, Go to the brook Cherith, you'll drink from the brook, and I will command the ravens to feed you meat and bread morning and evening. So he went to the brook. Life was good for Elijah. Drought was all across Israel, but he was sitting by the brook. His food was provided for him. He had no worries and no needs. Now, listen to me. 
It's interestingly enough that after he obeyed God and did what God told him to do, the Bible says the brook dried up. That's a lesson for some in this room and some that are online this morning. You have camped out where God never intended for you to stay. And your brook has dried up. It's time to hear the voice of the Lord again and respond to him and follow him to do what he's asking you to do. You can't stay comfortable by the brook. You see, God knew when he sent him to the brook that because of the drought, the brook would dry up. God knew exactly where you would be today. He knew your circumstances. He knew your problems, your trials, your tests, your temptations. And yet he's allowed you to walk through them for one reason. And that reason is to prove that he is still the God who's able to take care of you. The brook dried up. So many times we wring our hands. We worry. We say, God, I don't understand. Why is this happening to me? The brook dried up. It's happening because God wants to take you to another level. God wants to move you to a new place and position. God wants to reveal to you his goodness, his grace, and his mercy in another fashion. So when you continue to read the story, God said to Elijah, when the brook dried up, go find the widow of Zarephath. She's going to take care of you. Well, the first problem with that is she's a widow. Widows didn't have much in that day and that time. So Elijah went and found her, and you know what happened. You've read the story. He found the widow. She was gathering sticks to build a fire, and he said, would you bring me a cup of water? So she did. And then he said, would you make me a cake so I can eat? And she said, oh, you don't understand. I have just enough oil and just enough meal to make one last cake. My son and I are going to eat it, and then we're going to die. We're going to starve to death. There's nothing else. The provision is gone. There is no way to renew what we don't have. There's no one to call upon. There's no help on any hand. We're going to eat it, then we're going to die. We're going to die of starvation. So many times we're in positions of difficulty. All we see is the problem. That's all she saw was the problem. She did not see the provision of God. Folks, I encourage you today to lift your eyes. Look into the one who's able to keep you. Call upon the one who is able to provide for you. Call the name of the Lord, and he will be your strong tower. All she could see was what she had in her hand. God sees beyond where you're at today and what you have. He sees beyond your current situation, and he sees your future. Oh, listen to me. You wonder how you know the difference between the voice of God and the voice of the enemy? The enemy will always talk to you about your past. God always talks to you about your future. He always tries to drag you down in negativity and discouragement and defeat. But God builds you up. He encourages you. He tells you this thing is going to go. You're going to go through it and things will get better. She obeyed Elijah. She went ahead and made the cake for him. He ate it. And the Bible goes on to say that there was enough oil and enough meal to last her through the entirety of the drought. What does that tell you? It tells you that you may not have a lot, but you have enough. Oh, come on, folks. You got to get that. I said, you may not have a lot, but you have enough. If God is with you, you have enough. You don't need to worry. You don't need to fret. You don't need... Somebody needs to hear me. You don't need to go get a loan. You've got a God who's enough. You may not have a lot, but you already have enough. 
And then God said to Elijah, okay, it's time to go tell Ahab, we're done with the drought, and challenge the prophets of Baal and Asherah to a battle. So he did. And you know the story of Mount Carmel, 1 Kings 18. 450 prophets of Baal, 400 prophets of Asherah, all false idol-worshiping gods. He called them to Mount Carmel, and he said, I want you to build an altar, and the God that answers by fire will be the God of Israel. When he laid that challenge out, Israel said, oh, that's a good thing. Yeah, we'll do that. And so the prophets of Baal built their altar, slaughtered their bull, and they worshiped, they cried, they prayed, they sang, they danced. The scripture says they even cut themselves until the blood was rushing from them in an attempt for the God to answer by fire. But we all know what happens when you pray to a false God. When you pray to a God made by the hands of men, what happens? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. He has no ears to hear, no hands to intervene. False gods take you nowhere and give you nothing. Oh, come on. There's a lot of you with false gods. There's a lot of idols in the church today. It's time to recognize. It's time to cut them down and let God once again be enthroned in your life. Well, I don't think I believe that. Oh, yeah? How many of you couldn't afford to miss Sunday afternoon football? Love the way you're shouting now. How about the tournament that's coming up in just a couple of weeks? I got a bracket. I filled it out. I'm going to win some money in the office pool. Really? How about that house you've been coveting? That car you desire? Things that we put in front of God and God's will for our lives become idols to us. False gods we then give our worship to. We spend all of our money to pay for that house or to pay for that car. And you know what happens? You got to fix it. You got to repair it. It's going to break down. Oh, come on, church. It's time to get your eyes back on Jesus. Let him let you hear his voice again. False gods and idols. So you know the story. They went from early in the morning to the evening, calling on this false god who did nothing because that's what false gods do. And then finally, Elijah said, you've had your time. Now it's my turn. And so he took 12 stones. And these weren't stones that had been crafted. They were stones pulled right out of the ground. Because the Bible says you're to build the altar of the Lord, not with hewn stones, but with stones that have never went under the mason's chisel. And he built the altar and he laid the bull on the altar. And then he said, I want to dig a trench around this altar. And then he said, bring water and pour it on the sacrifice. So much so it covered the sacrifice and filled the trench. Why did he do that? Let me tell you why. Because the folks worshiping false idols and false gods would often put coals under the altar and then use a wind source to bring those to life, making people think that their God answered by fire, when in fact it was just trickery, just silliness. So he doused it down so no one could ever think that he had pulled a trick on him. And then he said, Lord, please answer by fire. And you know the story. The fire of the Lord fell. It consumed the sacrifice. It licked up all the water in the trench and all around. And the people of Israel saw the Lord. He is God. And then what did Elijah do? He said, we got to get rid of this sorts of false God, the sorts of false worship. 
So he took all 850 of those false prophets down by the brook, and he slew them, killed them. Man, he had a great victory. He's on Mount Carmel. The fire of God fell. It was a wonderful time. My goodness, can you imagine? God is again being worshipped in Israel. False prophets have been wiped out. There's none left. He's on the top of the mountain. And then he said to Ahab, get ready, get in your chariot and go, for I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. Hear me, folks, you'll never hear the sound of rain until you first experience the fire. Until the fire of God purges and cleanses, you will never hear the sound of the abundance of rain. We say, Holy Spirit, rain on us. Open our eyes that we may see your majesty. But until we submit ourselves to the fire of the Holy Spirit and the cleansing of the Holy Spirit and the purifying of the Holy Spirit, we will never see the rain. So you know what happened next? Ahab told his wicked wife Jezebel what Elijah had done. All 450 of your prophets he killed. She sent a message back to him, and she said, as you have done to them, I'm going to do to you. And I'm not waiting three years to get it done. It's going to happen quickly. So the Bible said Elijah was afraid, and he ran. He ran. This word is for somebody in this room this morning. You need to hear and understand that anytime you set your face to seek God and to follow God, there is a very real enemy of horns on his head. He's going to rise up against you. He's going to lie to you. He's going to deceive you. He's going to do his best to fill you with fear. But if you will stand firm, God will see you through. Don't run. When the enemy comes in, then like a flood, the Spirit of God will raise up a standard against him. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. Oh, come on, folks. Do I need to recite the whole Bible for you? Do you not understand? We don't run. We stand firm. When evil speaks, we don't tuck our tails and hide. We stand firm. Because we serve a God who's greater, who's mightier, who's already overcome, and will see us through to victory. But he ran. And he ran to a place from the wilderness, from Beersheba, the southern part of Israel, to Mount Horeb. Mount Horeb is known as the Mount of God. Mount Horeb is known as Mount Sinai. Mount Horeb is the place that God appeared to Moses in the burning bush. Mount Horeb is the place that God gave the Ten Commandments to Moses after the Israelites left Egypt. It's a very, very special place. It's a place where God had met his ancestors again and again. It's a place where God affirms and reaffirms his call over people's lives. He went to Mount Horeb. Now let's pick it up in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 11. Then he said, God speaking, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind tore into the mountain and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. I want you to think about that. A wind so strong, it really picked up boulders, smashed them into one another, and they dissolved into small pebbles. That's a lot of wind. I grew up on the high plains. We have wind every day, but I've never seen wind like that. That's a lot of wind. But then it goes on to say, but the Lord was not in the wind. 
The Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And then it says, and after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. If you jump back up a few verses in 1 Kings chapter 19, when he got to Mount Horeb, God said to him, Elijah, what are you doing? Why are you here? So many times that's what God is saying to us. What do you think you're doing? Why are you here? Why did you sit down in defeat, in depression, in discouragement when I had you on a road to victory? Why are you here? Well, listen, this is the truth about humanity. Often out of our, after our highest victories, we find ourselves at the lowest place of depression and discouragement. That's not God's plan. That's not what God wants for you. It's not what he wants for his church. Rather, he wants his church to raise up, stand firm, and continue to walk the road he's laid out before us. Why are you here, he said. Why are you here? So it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle. He wrapped his face in his mantle and went and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly a voice came to him and said, this is the second time, what are you doing here? See, God was trying to get Elijah's attention. Some of you are here this morning because he's trying to get your attention. Some of you are online today because God's trying to get your attention. To cause you to examine yourself in the place you're in. He's saying to you, what are you doing? Why are you here? Oh, too many times we choose to willingly disobey him. We choose to willingly live in contradiction to his word. We find ourselves in hard places, and then we say, why am I here? Maybe it was your own decisions that took you there. Maybe it was your fear that drove you there. Maybe it was your refusal to obey the voice of God that puts you in the place you're in today. Why are you here? God said to Elijah, why are you here? What is he saying? I'm not finished with you yet, Elijah. Hear me, God wasn't finished with Elijah, Elijah was finished with God. And why was he finished with God? Because it didn't work out the way he thought it was going to work out. Somebody needs to hear that. You've given up, you've thrown in the towel, you've ran up the white flag, you said, I'm done. Because it didn't work out the way you thought it was going to work out. The marriage failed. The kids rebelled. You lost your job. The diagnosis was horrible. It didn't work out the way somebody told you it was going to work out. But I've come to tell you today, if you will once again focus your eyes on Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of your faith, who, who for the joy set before him endured the shame of the cross. Oh, somebody hear me. If you'll see him again, hear his voice again, he will take you through that. That means he's going to, well, this is a hard one. It does not mean he's going to relieve the consequences of your decisions. It does not mean he's going to allow you escape the pain that came from your sin. But it does mean that in that place where you are seeing the results of your decisions, your actions, and your rebellion against God, he is going to come, he's going to comfort you, he's going to help you, and he'll see you through. But we often have to pay the consequences for our decisions. You see, more than anything, God doesn't want us living at Mount Horeb. He wants us living on Mount Carmel. 
He wants us living where we're a force for him, where we're destroying the things of the enemy, where we're moving and walking in the power of the Spirit of God. The question this morning is, where are you? Are you on Mount Carmel or are you at Mount Horeb? Where are you? See, we know that God desires more than anything that we be a people he can speak into. And when he speaks into us, that we're a people who hear and obey his voice. Ezekiel chapter 14, uh, first three verses, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. The people of Israel, the elders of Israel came to Ezekiel. They were living in sin. They weren't worshiping or following God. And they came because they wanted a word. Do you know what God said? Verse 3, why should I even listen to your prayers? Why should I even pay attention to you? You haven't followed me. You haven't put your face to seek me. Why should I even listen to what you say? You're worshiping idols. Why should I listen to you? You see, this is the illustration. The prophet, the people came to the prophet to get a word from the Lord. They wanted to hear a good message, an encouraging message, a message that would build them up in their sin. Doesn't work that way, folks. Doesn't work that way. Where are you at? Mount Horeb or Mount Carmel? See, there's nothing wrong with hearing a good message, with hearing a message that encourages us and builds us up. Nothing wrong with that. But listen to me. You will never hear the voice of God when you've already decided what you want Him to speak. You will never Hear the voice of God when you've already decided what you want him to speak. Never. There's a lot of people just like that today. They're more interested in entertaining speakers than the content of the message. They drift from place to place, prophet to prophet, church to church, pillar to post. If they don't like what that prophet or that preacher has to say, they find another one. Until they finally find someone that will tickle their ears. And they like what they have to say. But we can't do that in this church. We have a responsibility to preach and present the Word of God and the Word of God only. My opinion is irrelevant. It does not matter what I think. All that matters is what does the Word say to you and me. That's why Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Preach the Word. Preach the word, for the time will come they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. I think he's describing our generation. I think he's talking about a few folks that you and I know that we've turned aside to fables. Listen, more than anything, God wants to speak to his people. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. God, who at various times and various ways spoke in the time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken by his Son. Oh, folks, you need to hear that. How does God speak to us today? He speaks to us by the life of the Son, by the power of the Holy Spirit residing in you and me. He speaks to us when we choose to listen. It's the truth. You need to remember it. God can't use people that he can't talk to. God cannot use people that he can't talk to. And I said it last week, I've heard this phrase repeated to me many times over the past week. There is a difference between hearing and listening. There is a difference between hearing and listening. 
Some people around us always have a word to share, but many times it's not a word from God. They heard, but they didn't listen. Jesus said in John chapter 10, verses 2 through 4, The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he's brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him, catch this, because they know his voice. They know his voice. And then he said in verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. The sheep know his voice. How do we learn to recognize the voice of the Lord? How do we begin to understand it's him speaking to us and not something or someone else, not our own wishes and desires, not, not our own ideas and plans, not the enemy of our soul or spirit, not the culture around us? How do we learn to hear the voice of God? Very quickly, I want to give you three things that keep you from hearing the voice of God. The first is habitual sin. Habitual sin will keep you from hearing the voice of God. Isaiah 51, 59, 1 and 2 says, But the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot hear, nor save, nor is ear heavy, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden His face from you, so He will not hear you. Habitual sin will separate you from God and keep you from hearing the voice of God. Number two, rebellion will keep you from knowing and hearing the voice of God. Knowing what he wants and refusing to do it, that's rebellion. He says, is there a scriptural illustration? There are dozens, but I'll give you just one. His name was Jonah. He was a prophet in Israel. God said, go prophesy to the Ninevites that if you don't turn and repent, I'm going to destroy you. Now understand, Nineveh was the enemy of Israel. He was born and bred and conditioned to dislike them and to hate them. God sent Jonah to the one place he absolutely didn't want to go. And he said, this is what you're going to do. What happened? Jonah rebelled. He went down to Joppa. He caught a ship. You know the story. A great wind and a storm came up. They all thought they were going to die. And he finally said, the storm's happening because of me. And they threw him over the side. And the Bible says a great fish swallowed him. He spent three days in the belly of that fish. I wonder what he was thinking at that time, don't you? I bet he was thinking, I've been in a lot better places, but never a worse one. I bet he was thinking, this place smells horrible. I bet he was thinking, if I had it to do over again, I would have obeyed instead of rebelled. See, that's what some of you are thinking right now. If I could just go back and do it over again, I wouldn't have rebelled, I would have obeyed. Well, we can't go back and do it again. We can't unwind what's already been done. But listen to me. God can start today and give you a new ending. Your rebellion is not fatal, and it's not, it's not your future if you choose to bow to God and repent. Third thing that keeps you from hearing from God is stubbornness. Well, I heard what you said, but that's not what I'm going to do. I'm going to do it my way. That may have been a great song by Frank Sinatra, but it doesn't fit in the kingdom of God. You cannot do it your way and please God. It does not work that way. That's why Samuel said to Saul in 1 Samuel 15, verse 23, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Those are strong words. 
But the word you and I need to hear today, because rebellion and stubbornness will separate us from God and keep us from hearing His voice. Let me give you three things that will help you learn to hear the voice of God. Number one, spending time in God's presence. And when I say that, I don't mean coming to this place. It's not what I'm talking about. Although we want you to come and God's presence is here, and it's a great thing to experience Him corporately, we all need that corporate relational experience with the Lord God. We need that. We crave it. We desire it. Years ago, I had a friend who said to me, I don't need to go to church. I can find God in the mountains or on the lake or in my backyard. No doubt that's absolutely true. But then why did Paul say, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is? Because he recognized it was vital to the life of the believer to be connected to a body of believers of like precious faith who knew and were moving in the same direction that would help you, that would encourage you, that would stand with you, that would lift you up when you fall, that would help you brush the dust off and get back on the right road. It's imperative that believers be in the house of God. Spending time in God's presence. I'm not talking about Sunday and Wednesday talking about every day, every day in his presence, every day listening for his voice. Psalm 27.4 says, one thing I've asked from the Lord that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. David was talking about the presence of God, being in God's presence every single day of his life. Listen, friend, when we're in God's presence, we have a constant realization of who He is and what He wants us to do. When we're in His presence, when we spend time every day, whatever the time of the day that may be, it doesn't really matter. Just so you do, you're going to hear His voice. You know the problem? The problem is many of us in the church today spend time with God in the bad times, in the hard times, in the difficult places. When the road is rocky and rough, when there's not enough money in the bank, when we're sick, when disease has invaded our body, when our teenagers rebel, when our husband or wife walks out, when we don't know or don't understand, that's when we seek God and spend time in His presence. But you listen to what I'm about to say. You cannot expect God, you cannot ignore God in the good times and expect God to hear you in the bad times. You can't ignore God in the good times and expect Him to hear you in the bad times. You can't ignore Him all week and expect Him to hear you on Sunday. Oh, I love the way you're shouting now. You can't shack up with the devil six days a week and then think God's going to bail you out on Sunday. It does not work that way. There are consequences for ignoring the voice of God and living in disobedience. We've got, to, we've got to be in God's presence. Number two, we've got to live in God's presence every day. Psalm 1611, you will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. He's saying if you will live with him every day, walk with him every day, let him lead you, guide you, direct you every day, then that's what you can expect. You can expect He will make known your path and lead you to life. You can expect joy overflowing within you. You can expect pleasures at His right hand forevermore. 
Let's live in God's presence every day. Number three, we must read God's Word. We must read God's Word. God's Word gives us His mode of operation, His battle plan, guidance, and direction for life. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the Word of God is quick, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing asunder soul and spirit, bone and marrow, is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. In other words, if you'll read God's Word, it automatically makes course corrections in your life. I need to say that again. If you read God's Word, it will automatically bring course corrections into your life. When you get off track, the Word brings you back on track. When you believe a lie, the Word brings you back to truth. When you allow Satan to attack you, the Word brings you back to the victory in Jesus Christ. Or somebody hear me, if you're not reading the Word, you're not making it as a believer. Wow, that's pretty harsh, preacher. Sorry, that's life, folks. If we don't spend time in God's presence every day and live in God's presence every day and read God's word every day, we're not making it. I'm smiling when I say this. You're the ones that call me. Pastor, I need help. I need help. Yes, you do. But it's more than I can give you. I'm not Jesus. But if you will turn back to him, spend time in his presence, live in his presence, read his word, he will help you. He will get you out of that quagmire and take you to the place he wants you to be. See, because God desires a relationship in which he speaks to us and we respond and obey. To have that kind of relationship, we first have to learn to listen to his voice. We listen to his voice and we learn to listen to his voice by being in His presence, by living in His presence, and by reading His Word. This isn't rocket science, folks. It's simply a matter of doing what He's told us to do. We're in that relationship when we read God's Word and we learn to hear. We learn to hear. When we pray, we listen, we don't just ask. See, often that's all our prayers are. God, I need, I need, I need, I need. I want, I want. Help me, help me. Learn to listen. Learn to wait. See what he has to say. We read his word understanding the word of Jesus, a spirit and its life, and it brings life to us, increases his presence in our life. The Holy Spirit desires to speak to us. He desires to lead us moment by moment, day by day, step by step. Problem is, so many of us don't want to go step by step. We want to see tomorrow and next month and next year. That's where we want to be. When all he's promised is light for the next step. You see, that's what faith is. It's believing that God knows my end from my beginning. It's believing that God has a plan for my life. It's believing that if I submit my life to him, he will speak to me. He will guide me. He will direct me. He will infuse my life with his presence. He will cause me to be overflowed with his joy. He'll fill me with his peace. He'll allow all of his good things to be present in my life. I'll simply seek him. So the question this morning is, where are you? Are you on Mount Carmel? Are you on the spiritual mountain with God? Maybe God's recently answered a prayer for you, and you want to shout it from the rooftop. Or are you on Mount Horeb? 
Are you at a spiritual low where you're questioning God this morning? Maybe you're disillusioned by circumstances. Tom, come back, please. Maybe you're disillusioned by the circumstances of your life. Maybe you've lost someone close to you. Maybe you've lost a job. Maybe you received a bad report from the doctor. Maybe one of your kids is in trouble, but you're at a low this morning. Remember, it's after the wind. It's after the earthquake. It's after the fire that God spoke in a still, small voice. It's in the calm and in the quiet when we choose to focus on Him. We hear Him the loudest and the most clearly. I'll never forget years ago, church in southern Kansas had called and asked us to come and preach, maybe be their pastor. Went down and we thought things went very, very well. But they were in some kind of a shenanigan. They had three people come in, three people preached, and then they'd decide which one they liked the best, and then they would vote that person in to be the pastor. Well, they went a different direction. They voted on this other guy on a Sunday night, and on Wednesday, he called him back and said, no, that's not God's will, I can't do that. So I got a call on Thursday saying, we just wanted you to know we're going to start this whole process over. Sometimes when you've heard the voice of God, there's a boldness and a courage that rises within you that nothing can compromise. In that moment, I said to the person on the other end of that line, you're making a mistake. God wants me to be there. He's called me to that place. I said, well, we'll talk about it, get back to you. They did talk about it. They did get back to us, went and preached. They voted on a Sunday night. I needed 66% to be the pastor of that church. There's only 20 people, so it wasn't that many, you know? I got 67% of the vote. People said to me, oh, don't go there. That's a divided church. So many times I've thought, God, do you ever send me anyplace else? That church, they voted on their pastor every single year. A year passed and they cast the vote, it was 100%. Every succeeding year was 100%. After that first year, one of the ladies who was there that first Sunday night came up to me and said, I want you to know I didn't vote for you. No surprise, several of you didn't. She said, but I'm behind you now. Listen, folks, I sat in my living room after that phone call came, praying at 2 o'clock in the morning, saying, God, what are you going to do? And I heard the voice of God as clearly as I can hear yours. And he said, I know who's going to be the pastor of that church. See, even when you think circumstances are against you, even when you think you haven't heard from God, even when you think it could never happen, if you will still yourself, quiet yourself, be in His presence, live in His presence, hear His word, He will speak to you. Do you hear His voice this morning? Do you hear His voice this morning? See, when we still ourselves in God's presence, a peace begins to flow into our lives. It's a peace that passes understanding. When we still ourselves in God's presence, if there's sin in our lives, we're called to repent. If we're weary and heavy laden, He calls us to lay our burdens at the altar. Take His yoke, which is easy and light. If we're sick in our body, He calls us to healing. If we need spiritual refreshing, He renews us and restores us. If we're thirsty, He gives us drink. If we're hungry, He renews us.
and the Spirit anoints and fills your cup and it runs over. Stand your feet with me this morning. Tom, sing it out. Word of God, speak. In the stillness of this moment, let God speak to you. You made it to the end of the message, and now what? Is God leading you to make a change? Are you needing a good church home where you can grow and help others grow as you fulfill your part in the body of Christ? Then we invite you to join us at All Nations Church on Sharer Road in Tallahassee a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. Our Sunday morning service is at 10.30 and Wednesday night service at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For more information, visit our website, allnationstallahassee.com.